morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Monday, November 6th. Today, Sun reporter Jason Blevins breaks down a new proposal at the state capitol that would increase the property tax rate for short-term rental properties across Colorado. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pinnacle Assurance. Pinnacle Assurance is Colorado's top-rated workers' comp provider, according to the businesses and workers they serve. With a commitment to Colorado, Pinnacle invests in workplace safety and provides care to help injured workers recover and return to work safely. Pinnacle. They put care to work. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. Beginning with Billy Bryan, the black bear named after presidential candidate William Jennings Bryan in 1896, bears have played an outsized role in the Denver Zoo's history. The 1994 birth of polar bear cubs Klondike and Snow on this day in 1994, who were abandoned by their mother and hand-raised by staff, became a media sensation. They significantly boosted zoo attendance and helped with fundraising efforts. Despite health challenges and the zoo's inability to house them as adults, the cubs initially thrived. They moved to SeaWorld in 1995. Sadly, both eventually passed away, Snow in 2012 and Klondike in 2013. A bronze statue commemorating them now resides at the Denver Zoo. Before we continue, another quick message. AARP Colorado is proud to sponsor this podcast with the Colorado Sun. With Colorado being one of the fastest-growing states in the nation among older adults, AARP Colorado strives to ensure all Coloradans can age in place for as long as possible and age with dignity. Next, our feature story. Hey, welcome everyone, and thanks for joining us. I'm David Krause, one of the editors here at the Colorado Sun, and I am joined today for another conversation on some Colorado high country stuff and, you know, Colorado stuff overall. Jason Blevins, how are you doing today, Jason Blevins? I'm doing well, David Krause. Hey, um, all right, so short-term rentals, right? We've talked about it on the podcast before. It's going to be a hot topic for the rest of eternity, I think. You and I both have been versed in short-term rentals by way of living in the mountains for the past few years. Um, You longer than me, of course, but Let's talk about um, this obscure committee meeting, maybe, Jason. Would you call the Legislative Oversight Committee Concerning Tax Policy an obscure uh, committee? And uh, why did almost 80 people show up last week? Yeah, so it is this interim committee that sort of meets between um, legislative sessions. They vet uh, possible bills and kind of prep bills for uh for the full legislature in january um and this one uh addressed a the third time in five years that lawmakers in colorado have tried to impose a commercial lodging property tax on homes that are rented uh, as short-term rentals um there are about 2400 homes 24,000 homes in colorado that are short-term rentals and the idea here is a idea backed by Governor Polis to impose commercial taxation, which would quadruple property taxes on STRs. As you can imagine, many short-term rental owners showed up at this meeting, some 80-some speakers, um, and they were virtually unanimously uh, opposed to this. The only support uh, came from a handful of county commissioners in the mountains. But uh, yeah, they expressed concerns about... uh, 
how a quadrupling of their property tax bill will make their business, their short-term rental home, not viable, and they will either either make it dark, um, sell it, or you know, uh, just rent it long term. And those three options do not bode well for tourism economies that have really grown reliant on these STR properties. You know, in some of these towns, there's STRs account for 75% of the lodging revenue. Um, you know, there's one hotel in Copper Mountain. There's one hotel in Crested Butte. You know, the, the short-term rentals are fundamental and critical components of the tourism economies. And there is a growing sort of chorus out there, not on, not even among homeowners, but among tourism leaders that pitching the supply of lodging for visitors in these communities um, will hurt the tourism economies. These economies are obviously reliant on visitors. And if you trim the number of places those visitors can stay, or if you whittle them down so much that the existing ones cost, you know, arm and a leg, um, it's going to have an impact on these tourism economies up in the high country. So let's, let's uh, drill into that. So talking about real quick, the property tax numbers, right? Everybody's at 6.765% on a residential property. That's what STRs are paying now. But this idea would lod, put them up at the property tax assessment rate of uh, for lodging is almost 28%, right, Jason? So that's, yeah. a, that's where that number is. And then you add that, and this is this is where let's go with to this part of the conversation: the local control versus state, because that's the thing. Having seen what all these local places are doing, why does the state feel like it needs to interject itself in this? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, there we have seen across, you know, especially in Summit County. Um, Summit County's passed all kinds of regulations. Brackenridge has a cap of. 2,200 short-term rental licenses in the town. Summit County Unincorporated Summit County includes places like Copper and Keystone have, have limited um, short-term rental bookings to 35 a year. Um, they all have additional permit fees, excise taxes. Telluride's got an excise tax. Steamboat just added an extra 9% on their STR rentals. It's generating $15 million a year for um, voters. They're going to go to the polls next week to see if the new Brown Ranch development project can have all of that revenue, 15 million plus a year. Um, so there's all these towns have done a lot in the past three years. And if you've been reading some of the stories in the Colorado Sun, we've covered virtually every step of that. Um, this is a you know an industry that was kind of born in Colorado. VRBO was born in Breckenridge by a fellow who thought he'd start leasing his condo out to vacationers. Um, and so the whole thing is really sort of sprouted from Summit County, Breckenridge, and Colorado is at the forefront of really interesting, innovative, uh, sort of adaptive regulations, taxation, fees, and permits for short-term rental owners in these mountain communities. And, you know, arguably it's working. I think we're seeing uh, a tempering. We're obviously seeing um, millions of dollars generated for affordable housing development and programs seem to be working pretty well. And that's what you're kind of hearing, you know, from some of the um, different local leaders saying, hey, this, you know, we need to let local control run its course before we start with some pretty, you know, heavy handed state regulations that would be, there's a lot of people that think a, a 
quadrupling of property taxes for short-term rental properties would essentially kill the industry in Colorado. So Jason, the the um, legislative council staff, right? I thought this was interesting in your story last week. They've got a projection that property tax revenues, if they were increased, would gain the state $371 million starting in 2026. That would go toward what districts and schools are yep. you going to see some of that going to go to housing or do you feel like that's you know that whole let's try to squeeze money out of this industry that we don't have anything that we we've tried to really squeeze on on a state level yet um yeah so you know since without having to get into gallagher but since um we've repealed gallagher you know there's been this sort of imbalance between how much weight homes are carrying and how much weight commercial properties are carrying. And it's, this is, has to do with, you know, sort of getting that back into more of a balanced scenario. But I think it's interesting to look at the tax revenues with this increase by converting these 24,000 plus homes over to commercial properties, you would, as the estimate is $371 million in additional property tax revenue. Um, That's on today's value. So the couple of the speakers noted that if, you know, values are really high in the high country right now, higher than they've ever been before, um, coming off that crazy pandemic business that we all saw where everybody wanted a house in the mountains. Um, and it, they're kind of stuck there. Not a lot of activity in the market right now because we're seeing really stale, you know, market because of interest rates are so high. Not a lot of buying and selling going on. So that number is stuck at this sort of inflated value. So there's some concern over what would happen with a decrease in the value of these properties taxed at 28% now. So not only would they possibly go dark because the only person that could run them is, is are the very wealthy who can buy them for cash and not need to rent them out. So they wouldn't be on the short-term rental market. And then that could impact the local tourism economy. But then also what would happen if these home values drop that $371 million a year estimate would obviously decline as well. So there's some concern over the legislative staff estimate. You know, obviously they, they don't know what's going to happen with the market, but it's it's going down right now. We're seeing not significant, but a slow and rare decline in property values in the mountains as we sort of rebalance after some pretty wild valuations going on. Um, during the pandemic in 2021, as anyone who's seen their property tax bill up here knows. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Uh, crazy. It, was, it was just crazy in Snowmass to see things change so quickly too. Um, yeah. And being around and all that. So Jason, let's talk about, and you and I have chatted on this before, but that parallel right to tax revenue, the concern about local taxes on short-term rentals, paralleling to local taxes on cannabis when it became legal and local places were starting to tax it more. It was a big deal. You know, the industry was going. Now we're seeing a downturn in the industry because it's spread out so much across the country. So you're seeing lower in uh, tax revenue for municipalities and counties off of uh, pot sales. Is there a parallel of what could happen with short-term rentals and you you price yourself out or you overtax it kind of a thing, Jace? I think that's, you know, it's it's worth looking at because it's happening simultaneously right now. So, you know, 
incredible amounts of revenue being generated from um, taxing these new taxes on short-term rentals. You know, look at Steamboat again. Um, and Telluride's got some pretty high projections for what they can start doing to wring some cash out of short-term rentals. And it it's easy to hearken back to the, you know, heady days of the marijuana boom when everybody wanted marijuana and they said, sure, bring marijuana in, we'll tax the crap out of it and we'll get all kinds of money for mental health studies and clinics and all, all sorts of programs. And you're starting to see it now, you know, marijuana revenues are in a free fall, 30 down, 30, 40, 50%. So, um, and that, you know, arguably we could have seen that coming now that we're up to what, 19 states with legal weed back in the day where the only game in town. So it's not that, it's not that difficult to see that this was on the horizon for a long time as more states started to add recreational marijuana sales to their to their tax base and it's all of a sudden you don't need to come to Colorado to get a doobie. So I think there's a lot of parallels. You could look at what is happening as these counties and different districts are scrambling with the marijuana decline. Um, could we see the same thing with SDRs if there's a significant downturn in short-term rentals? You know, what about all these different affordable housing projects that are going to be maybe just going vertical depending on their 15, 20, 30 million dollar a year revenue from short-term rentals that are in decline because they're under attack, you know, essentially they're over, you know, they've been sort of overtaxed and leaned on heavily. And I think that's something you're hearing from the marijuana people too right now. They're like, hey, we need a little relief. You guys went all in on us, you know, and when we were just getting started and, you know, money was flowing and that worked well. Now we need to reconsider all our marijuana taxation because we're just not churning out the revenue like we were. So I think I think there's a lot of parallels that could be drawn. A, a smart politician would look at the marijuana scene and say, hey, let's not let's not have this happen with SDR revenue. All right. So uh spin forward to the smart politician. Uh this got out of committee um four to two vote. So um Legislative session is back in uh, in January. Where do you where do you see it, Jason? Especially on the heels of you know this Prop HH that we're voting on um, this week um, that has a, a caveat in there, right? About um, second, second homeowner tax uh, rates. Yeah, um, the benefits of Proposition HH will not be provided to owners of second homes. Um, so they will pay a higher tax rate. So it's already kind of baked into this Proposition HH. And another factor that we haven't talked about yet, but real quick mention, um, there's a lawsuit in federal court uh, with homeowners in Summit County suing Summit County commissioners. There was a lawsuit filed today in Breckenridge, Summit County District Court, um, that is uh, with 100-something homeowners targeting Breckenridge over its it's um, uh, crackdown and caps on short-term rentals. I think the resolution of those two cases and how those two cases go will set the tone. There's national lawsuits going on. I don't know if you, anyone's been paying attention to what's going on in uh, New York City. Huge ban. It's a Airbnb called it a de facto ban on short-term rentals in that city. Um, lawsuits there. Major lawsuit out of New Orleans where homeowners... One short-term rental owners uh, won a, a decision that uh, di- uh, the town rules, city rules there, differentiated between residents and non-residents and found that was in violation of federal law. 
Um, and then there's, you know, I think the resolution of these lawsuits, some of the lawsuits in some major cities, Virginia, um, there, there's Richmond, Virginia just passed. And there's all these different cities are fiddle faddling with this stuff and they're facing legal challenges and all of it. So it's kind of an, an how how these cases end up getting resolved will set the tone um, for the for the issue as it winds through the legislative process. We got a bunch more public hearings to go through. We'll have committee meetings there. We'll have, you know, obviously debate on, on the House floor and debate among politicians. And so there's plenty of opportunities. This oversight committee was, again, just sort of moving the legislation forward to the to full legislature. Um, so uh, there's a lot more opportunities and a lot more robust, I'm sure, discussion that will follow on this on this issue. Jason, always good to catch up on this high country stuff and you know, it does apply not just to the mountain towns, but certainly around Front Range, West Slope, all those places. So appreciate yeah. that. Thanks uh, to everyone for tuning in again today. If you want to catch up on this story or read more about the outdoors and the high country scene, I encourage you to go to coloradosun.com and click on the outdoors tab at the top of our homepage. And you can also sign up for Jason's weekly outsider newsletter. Comes out every Thursday, gets you ready for the weekend, makes you look smart when you're out talking to your buddies. Uh, you can do that at coloradosun.com slash outsider. Jason Blevins, have a great week, buddy. Thanks, DK. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Nearly a half billion dollars from the 2021 Infrastructure Act is going into Colorado projects and programs. According to Department of Interior data, the bulk of the $496 million in federal infrastructure funds to Colorado is going to water resources and scientific innovation. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act authorizes spending of $1.2 trillion over 10 years. The largest Colorado award so far is $167 million for a new energy and minerals research center being built at the Colorado School of Mines. Also, 18 projects totaling $248 million are addressing drought in Colorado. In Colorado and Denver, the minimum wage is pegged to inflation, so both increase every January 1st if inflation is up. Last week, Boulder County commissioners joined Denver in adopting a local minimum wage. The new minimum wage will increase 15% to $15.69, but only in unincorporated Boulder County. In Denver, the minimum wage will go up a dollar to $18.29 next year, and for the state, it will jump 77 cents to $14.42. The U.S. minimum wage has not increased since 2009, when it was set at $7.25 an hour. As Denver International Airport continues to see a record number of travelers, it also needs more workers. From the parking lots to the terminals, businesses that support DIA are looking ahead as the complex gets bigger and sees more flights. The hub currently boasts about 130,000 employees, but the airport complex is going to need more than double that to meet its projection of 100 million passengers by 2032. In this week's Colorado Sunday feature, we ride along with some of the people who get millions of travelers through the maze. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. I'm Laura Wynott, Director of Membership at the Colorado Sun. I came to work at the Sun because quality, trustworthy journalism is important. As a reader and listener, I find the Sun to be a breath of fresh air. The journalists tell Colorado stories that keep me informed, entertained, and engaged. If you also trust the sun for your news, join me as a member at coloradosun.com slash join.
Your support helps to bring you and other Coloradans the news you deserve. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you.